0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Cat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In our episode today, we are talking with Esther Kalman. She is a mom of two who struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety, and she experienced the loneliness of motherhood after she moved to the U.S. from Hungary. She shares with us what becoming a mom as a new immigrant to the U.S. felt like for her, coming up against some cultural differences within her new family, as well as how that differed from her family and culture in Hungary. She shares a little bit how the loss of her mother prior to becoming a mother herself, impacted her, especially as being an immigrant to the U.S. where she didn't have any family here. She talks about the inner turmoil and the shame and guilt that came along for her in her postpartum journey, which ultimately led her into how she made meaning of her experience and how that supported her to go back to school, become a therapist, and help other people who might be going through the same thing. She's been a helpline volunteer for Postpartum Support International and Postpartum Health Alliance of San Diego for many years. Even though she was born and raised in Hungary and lived in Spain and in Italy, having lived in San Diego for 12 years, she truly loves her new home. She is able to enjoy the beautiful sunny weather of San Diego and now thinks it's the best place in the world. Let's meet Esther. Welcome, Esther. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I've known you for some time in and around the perinatal mental health circles, but I haven't heard your story. And I know that, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about are also related to, um, you know, the immigrant story, your immigration story and how that impacted you. So I know there are so many people that will be able to relate on some level. So, yeah, I'm really interested. Just have feel free to start wherever you'd like with
1: your own story. So... I moved to California back in 2011, and it was a very quick move. I was born and raised in Hungary. I lived in Italy, where I met my future husband, who is from California. And um, basically, after a couple of months of knowing him, I decided to move over here to San Diego, and I still live here. First, it was just a major culture shock to me because it's so different than where I was born and raised in every sense. Mm. So first, I kind of had to get used to that, which took me years to really feel comfortable where I'm at today. Okay, long story short, I moved here and things started to speed up within about a month. We got married (laughs) and uh, a couple of months later, I was pregnant with my son. So the time
0: frame from when you met him to when you were pregnant was how about how long?
1: Okay, so I met him in two thousand and eight, but I didn't really start talking to him and getting to know mm. him up until 2010 so then for a couple of months everything was online and then basically in uh, November we decided that I would move here to California and we got married here in San Diego in January (laughs) 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 and then I was pregnant I think in August or September so it was very quick we Mm -hmm. never really had like this dating period where you really get to know each other right Mm -hmm. which is so important and you know we just never had that You know, my family was back in Hungary. They are still there. I lost my mom back in 2006, so I didn't even have her in my life. And my husband, he's from a Mexican-American family. His family was living in a different city as well. And it's Mm. even that experience, which I can talk about later, that the cultural differences in terms of the culture of the family, how that really impacted me when I became a mom. Yeah, oh, Uh, that's so important. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And so I got pregnant really quickly. And uh, nine months later, I just had a baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I had an easy pregnancy. So I was very lucky. I didn't have any issue with that. But just like probably many moms, I really thought that it's just going to be almost like a piece of cake, a walk in the park. What's the big deal? I'm just going to have a baby. And um, maybe because I, I don't know, I was not educated on it. Maybe I didn't really want to face the reality of motherhood or I didn't know what it Mm. would entail of. It was a shock. And Mm. it started actually with my birth. Because that when I went into labor, so my husband's family is very—he comes from a very different culture. His parents, his siblings, they see family very differently. Like, right? like they are very involved in each other's lives, or mm-hmm. at the time they were. And his mom told us that, oh, she's going to come down to help, and uh, I should have listened to my gut feeling because by then I had a chance to get to know them and not that there's anything you know bad or good about them it's just very different Mm -hmm. and I think when you're pregnant or you're a mom it's so hard to set those boundaries and just be able to say no when you know it's not gonna be the right help and I didn't do that I Mm -hmm. wish I had done it. I was oh.
0: wondering like the difference in culture in terms of your family of origin or even like the culture of Hungary is there, are families not as like involved in the same way as your
1: husband's family was? They are involved, but there's more privacy. Oh okay. so got it. Mm-hmm. They honor more privacy than mm-hmm. let's say than my husband's family, the culture of his family. Sure. You know, and then I went to take all those birthing classes and I remember not one time they would mention about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or any mental health Mm -hmm. changes in that period. And when I went into labor, I remember that same day my husband had to work and I was home alone with my mother in law. And I was in the bedroom, just lying down on the bed, and I don't even know why I'm smiling at this, because it was so sad. And, you know, it's scary, especially when it's the first time. It's really scary. You know, obviously it's painful. I didn't know no matter how many classes I took, I didn't know what to do. And I was just there laying down. And I remember that my mother-in-law was in the living room Mm -hmm. on the phone. And for eight hours, she wouldn't come in and check on me. Not one time. She knew I was in labor. She knew I was in pain. And she didn't check on me. And it just felt very lonely and scary, mm-hmm. yeah. and had nobody else there, and I thought I would have somebody there to kind of help me with that, especially that she did have five kids, mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. and then anyway, my husband came home, we went to the hospital, then even there, just hard time setting up boundaries, saying what I needed. And Like from I, hospital staff? Yes, or, or, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. I know I was just so scared and everybody was just not even really explaining things to me, just telling me what to do. And when English is your second language, and I just literally moved to, or a year before that, I moved to the U.S. So that yeah. was the first time when I went to a hospital. Right, here. right, right. Right, so you're like, you're in
0: labor and dealing with all of these really new things, new language, yeah. new processes, new stuff.
1: And then plus dealing with, you know, the help, what I was hoping I would get from, you know, my mother-in-law, which I didn't get, Mm -hmm. you know, and then my husband was there in the hospital, but he really didn't know what to do. And I still remember when I was ready to deliver my son and then the doctor wasn't there or they were waiting for the doctor. And the nurse told me to put my legs down and not to push, mm. like hold it, hold it back while the doctor gets there. And thinking back, I remember I did that. I remember that it was a horrible feeling because yeah. obviously it's such a crazy, strong pressure. You can't yeah. possibly hold it back. And right. and it was the worst feeling. And it's almost like you just want to like, do what you're told to do because you're scared to speak up, basically. Right. But then, you know, the doctor came, my son was delivered just fine. It was all good. And then when I went home with my son, I guess that's right away my anxiety kicked in. I don't even think what I had was baby blues from the get-go. It was already Mm -hmm. postpartum depression. I really didn't feel supported at home. And it's so important. I just had a bad experience, honestly, with in the first couple of weeks, I was cooking. I was doing the laundry for the family let me pause here I don't mean to bash my mother-in-law <laughs> in this podcast she passed away a year ago but I mean that's just uh I just wanted to pause so I just want to clarify that but that's that was my reality so sure yeah that's how yes. I want to share that so of course I just want to you know it's really not about her it could have been anybody else but it's just like how What it was like for me in the first two weeks, you know, when you don't have any family here, I didn't have my mom, Mm -hmm. I didn't have my family, and then the people who were there or were supposed to be there for me to help me, they were not there for me, and Mm -hmm. I had to cook for her, I had to do her laundry, even when I remember she made some, they remember that it's crazy how that works. She, one yeah. morning I woke out and then I woke up and I see her cooking in the kitchen for her son breakfast. And I asked her like, is there anything for me like I'm a breastfeeding mom who's mm-hmm. up all night? And she said, Oh, I didn't make it because I didn't know if you liked it or not. And that was all, you know, mm. anyway, that was only two weeks. And then after that, you know, I still didn't have any friends because mm-hmm. I was brand new. I'm even new to my marriage because right. it's a brand new marriage. I'm new to his family and I'm a brand new mom and I don't have my mom. And at the even at the time, even though I didn't know like how that could be also risk factor for, mm-hmm. for postpartum depression, but I could just, oh, every day I would think like, oh, I wish I had a great relationship with my mom. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking that I wish I, could just call her just to talk to her, not even asking questions, just to have, you know, make a phone call and just hear her voice. And yeah, it was just very lonely. Like nobody brought food, nothing. It was just me and my son. And it was bad. I didn't enjoy that first year at all. I remember there were days, like five days straight when I wouldn't even leave the house. I would take care of the baby. So fortunately, it wasn't as depressed that I wouldn't even get out of the bed. But, you know, I would take care of him. But that's it. It was just like a to-do list Mm -hmm. that I have to, Mm -hmm. you know, check that box. Yeah. And then I always, this is how I like to explain it to, this is how I explain it to my clients that I knew I loved my son, but I didn't feel it. Like that's what Mm -hmm. postpartum depression was like for me. I knew Mm -hmm. I loved him, but I just didn't feel it. I didn't enjoy anything about it.
0: Yeah. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your
2: pods. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time add more joy to your life? And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free.
0: That's incredibly difficult. I mean, being so isolated. And not even knowing necessarily, you know, when you drop into, even if you're moving from one city to another city, it takes a long time Mm -hmm. to even know where your favorite grocery store is or, you know, anything that you even like in that area and to not have even some basic stuff familiar to you. Like, where do you go to find any comfort?
1: You just don't find any comfort or I didn't. Right. It was just surviving every single day. It's so interesting, like how I have memory losses, or I can from the first year. I remember, but sometimes I look at a picture and I'm thinking, oh, I don't even remember this that we did that or we yeah. went there because yeah. I was just like in this, I don't know, zone. It was really not a good experience. It was lonely. I didn't like it. I didn't have anybody to talk to, and I didn't feel supported. By anyone, to be honest. At that point, did you know what was going on for you? Like, do you know that it was
0: depression or anything like that? Or did it just feel horrible and you weren't sure what was happening?
1: I didn't know what was going on. No, not at all. I just thought that's what motherhood looks like for me, at least. I know even if I left the house, I would also fall into the trap of comparing myself to other moms, you know, the playground. I remember I was so bitter. And even when I saw that another mom was pregnant or a friend was pregnant that I from Hungary, I know I was not happy for them. I was not mm-hmm. even, I was thinking, why would you do that? Like you're mm-hmm. ruining your life. And on the other hand, I was jealous that they were actually enjoying it. enjoying something that i wasn't enjoying but i wanted to so that is so real
0: i mean i'm just as you were saying that it had such a horrible feeling but it's also such a great way to describe what it feels like jealous and like longing and not understanding why other people are doing it not feeling connected there's so many people that feel that way for different you know a lot of different reasons but in some ways as you're describing what you went through, the kind of odds were stacked against you for being Mm -hmm. able to have a different experience because everything was new and you didn't feel supported. So like given that, were you like, how did that work? Were you able to even describe to your, let's say your husband, how you
1: were feeling or anybody even back home? Did you have any words to describe it? Well, with my husband at the time, it was, I remember it really negatively impacted our marriage. So he was working a lot because, you know, we had to pay our bills, the rent. And he was tired because of that. I was tired because of the baby. And uh, it was mainly, I honestly, mainly fighting, arguing. I didn't feel comfortable telling him on one hand because of the relationship that we had at the time. And on the other hand, because it was. I was ashamed, like I didn't, Mm -hmm. I felt like that if I was going to tell him how I feel, it would be an embarrassment, you know, that it's embarrassing that I feel the way I feel. Or he would say just, oh, just shake it off. Or I had actually comments like that from some of my family members in Hungary. They, I kind of expressed them how I felt. And the immediate response was that, oh, then you shouldn't have had a baby if you felt this way, or Mm -hmm. if I felt this way. And that's very invalidating.
0: Yeah, you can't change it at that point. No, too late. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know before we kind of started going on this conversation, we had talked briefly about the cultural differences in Hungary versus here, just in terms of understanding perinatal mental health stuff. So that like the comments that you were receiving was coming from family members who don't know really anything about... Perinatal mental health, I assume.
1: Yes. No, absolutely not. Just close family members. I didn't know anything about perinatal mental health either. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, you know, when you try to confine in someone and that's the response, then you shouldn't have had the baby or just, you know, push it through. And especially that I didn't have my mom because it mm-hmm. was another like woman family member who told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very invalidating because I was hoping to find that comfort in her that I would have found in my mom, but it didn't happen that way. However, the one comfort that I found here that there was this nurse who came to visit us like once a month, like doing home visits, just to check on the baby, you know, if he's developing well and check on me. And I remember... Her name was Sotia and she was super nice. She was the sweetest, nicest person. She was fun. She got along with my husband too. And I really felt comfortable with her also because, you know, like beside from being nice, she would keep visiting us over almost for about a year, I think. Mm-hmm. And I felt the most comfortable with her. And I know she would do screenings on me and I would just, the self-administered screening, like the Edinburgh scale for postpartum depression. And that's when I, thinking back, I realized like all these scales are so pointless if the person, the mom, the parent doesn't feel comfortable with the provider who's giving them this test because I just lied, lied, lied initially. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. took me about a year to really admit not just to her, but to myself that, okay, yes. something is wrong because it starts there.
0: Right. Absolutely. Oh, which and- also feels like more isolating because you kind of yeah. know you're, you're not being truthful.
1: Yes. But like yeah. Like to yeah. somebody
0: else. Cause you don't want to admit it to yourself either.
1: Yeah. It, this just reminded me of my OBGYN, which was, you know, the six week visit follow-up mm-hmm. visit. Mm-hmm. So my doctor you know, wasn't there at the birth because she was not on shift or on call, which is fine. But you know, I went to see her like throughout those the nine months. Like she would see me <laughs> growing my belly, you know, and just getting to the 40th week. And I remember when I went back for my six-week follow-up, my son was sleeping in the little car seat. I just put him down next to the chair, and she came in to examine me and the whole visit was just like five minutes and, you know, and everything was fine. But what stuck with me that she didn't even look or ask about my son, my baby, my birth, nothing. She just Mm -hmm. came in, checked, you know, what she had to check and she left. And it just felt so like impersonal because that's what it is. And just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. beyond rude or mean, it's just like, You know, like you would think that if you're in the helping profession, like you would want to create some relationship with your patients. And if you see your Mm -hmm. mom for nine months, at least you would look at her baby or just ask about the baby and nothing. Yeah, it stuck with me. So I never went back to her.
0: Oh, good. Good. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't. It's like you're invisible and your son's invisible.
1: Yeah, that was fortunately with my daughter. My doctor was amazing. So that was a whole nother story. Okay. But going back to the nurse, so because of Sochi, after about a year, even though I kept lying on that (laughs) Edinburgh scale, I remember like after about 12 months, my son was more than a year old when I just, I was alone one night and I sent her a text message because that's how good our relationship was that, you know, I would have her cell phone number. And I remember I just messaged her that, hey, I'm just not feeling well. But I didn't even say anything about depression because I was so ashamed of saying Mm -hmm. that word. Mm -hmm. I just said, I don't really feel well. You know, like it could have been a cold or anything. (laughs) But I just like I don't feel well. And I think maybe I need some help. And just to show how connected she was thinking back, she knew exactly what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So she just sent me back, some resources, the postpartum health alliance of San Diego. And that's how I got connected then later on to a therapist. And that just changed my entire life for the better. The Aww. after the first visit. It was so amazing. Like when she didn't really do anything special, just listen to me. And, you know, she just heard me out and I didn't feel like there was something really wrong with me or mm. I was a bad mom. And right. all she did was just sitting there and just listen. And that was the highlight from that point in on, my, the highlight of my week was always every Friday when mm-hmm. I went to see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Right. It's also the first time you're really like being seen. Yeah. Like, somebody else understands what's going, like you're not alone in it anymore. Other no. than with Sochil, it sounds like
1: she yeah, yeah. was really in tune with you. Yeah, no, she was amazing, really. It's just like someone listens to you and you just feel like a normal person again because That was new to me. Like that was probably the first or the second time when I went to see a therapist in my life. Mm -hmm. So the whole situation was new. But yet I always felt like, oh, she's so nice, but in a professional way. (laughs) 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 I always thought that. But yeah, and that and on, it just, my life just took like a 180. And after a couple of months, I just started feeling better because I was seen, like you said, I was heard. That's when I started thinking about, okay, what should I do next? Because I didn't want to go back or just stay in the, they don't want to do the same thing that I did before in terms of work. And that's had a whole idea of going back to school and getting my master's to become a therapist, what I am today. So that amazing. was amazing. <laughs>
0: So the therapist you had was trained like a perinatal mental health yes. Uh, therapist? Yes, it was
1: through the Postpartum House Alliance of San Diego. So yeah, mm-hmm. she was trained in that and she was amazing. Yeah, she's great.
0: Uh, so, I mean, right, like so many of us who come into this profession come into it through some kind of suffering first and realizing how much we didn't know. If I can go back for just a second before we like come back to what you're doing now. Because I think the cultural piece is really important, too, about like where you in Hungary, where you came from, there's no
1: real discussion about mental health, right? Mm, no, not really. Or not at the time. Not Maybe it's a time. little better now, but still, it's in baby shoes. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then coming here, too. So it's just like there's so many layers that you had to work through, too, of just like understanding the mental health Part of it, let alone the transition into motherhood. So in your process of learning, I mean, there's just so much, you know, guilt and shame and misunderstanding about what mental health is. So like when you first started to realize that maybe you were depressed or whatnot, what was that like for you from a cultural perspective to understand that that's what might be going Mm -hmm.
1: on? Well, because like I said, in Hungary, it's so not talked about mental health in general, but especially maternal mental health. It was I didn't even tell my dad or anyone who I knew in Hungary that I'm seeing a a therapist even here in the U.S. only maybe just my husband knew it and one of my best friends and that's on. So that was also attached to it. I would always tell the people like, oh, I have an appointment to go to. Hmm. I wouldn't (laughs) say like, oh, I'm going to go and see my therapist when you say if you go and see your OBGYN or your doctor, right? That's not a problem to say. And so that cultural piece really stuck with me Mm -hmm. that we don't talk about that. And even though I saw a therapist, I wouldn't really talk about it openly but it took me years. Honestly, that's why I always say like postpartum depression or just perinatal mental health is the sneakiest illness that exists because even though after you are healed or you're just, you start feeling better, the guilt piece just time to time just like pops up. Even Mm-hmm. In these days, sometimes, you know, like I said, like I, there are pictures that I look at and I don't even remember that mm-hmm. we did that or mm-hmm. what it felt like at the time to be there or doing something with my son. And it just popped the little tiny bit of feelings of guilt like, oh my gosh, like it's horrible that I felt the way I felt, even though it wasn't my fault. I know that. But there's a the little guilt that, oh, I wish I could have done differently or I wish it would have never happened to me or if I had reach that for help sooner and not after a year. So it always just kind of sneak up on you. And even after I became a volunteer, like years after I became a volunteer for PSI and Pulse <laughs> for of San Diego, it's crazy. It almost felt like that I was wearing a mask the whole time, that mm-hmm. everybody knew that around me, I knew that they knew mm-hmm. <laughs> that, Probably I'm here and I'm a volunteer because I experienced something like that, but I never openly talked about it. And that, not that you have to, but I felt that I wasn't really genuine. It wasn't the real me. And that cultural piece from Hungary was with me that Mm -hmm. while I'm a volunteer for PSI, I'm helping other moms, I'm a therapist and helping other moms, but I'm not going to share my own story publicly. And just about a couple of years ago, I think PSI had some initiative on, like, not really initiative, but they just organized something on social media and they were looking for people to share their stories. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do it now. And it's just like when you break the glass ceiling, it was just (laughs) so good. And after that, I'm I'm talking about it everywhere now. And, you know, once you start talking about it, you realize that there's nothing embarrassing about it. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Right. So glad you said that. It is really hard to break
0: through that with that shame and guilt. And and I don't know if it felt like empowering for you to not have to hide anymore.
1: Yeah, very Um, empowering. mm -hmm. Yeah, you just feel like that. that I think when you get to that point, that's when you can really maybe say or feel that you are healed. When you can just openly talk about it. Mm Mm-hmm even if it's not so publicly on social media, but just like openly maybe in, in your with people who you trust and you can tell them. Yeah. That's what it was like for me.
0: So, I mean, all of that then took you back to school. I mean, you're, obviously your experience took you back to school and
1: now this is what you do. I'm really, I do what I love to do the most. I'm glad I went back to school. Though I remember in school, you often have professors that are just, teaching, but not actually practicing. Mm. And I remember in school, just going back to the previous piece in school, I remember some of my professors, you know, they always say like, no self-disclosure, only if it serves the client Mm. and even then be very careful. And I remember when I went to see my therapist, I asked her, I wanted to know if she did experience or if she had experienced postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And she did answer. She did give me a hug after the sessions, which mm-hmm. in school, it's a big no, you don't touch mm-hmm. your clients. Mm-hmm. And it just took me back there that how much school can be so different from reality, especially in the world of perinatal mental health, when mm-hmm. it's such a like a vulnerable period and such a very difficult, hard period of that parent's life that... Oh, they want to know if they can, if you can relate, not necessarily you share all your story to all the details, Mm -hmm. but they want to know if you understand what they are going through. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a
3: fluster clucks. You've come to the right place.
0: it's almost like, and I'm sure you've experienced this, uh, like maybe as yourself, but also as a therapist, like once they know that mm-hmm. they're not alone in just speaking with you, it's like shoulders drop, the tension is released, like it's so much easier. Again, like you said, not you don't even have to tell your whole story, but there's just so much vulnerability in the transition into parenthood. Just, I mean, historically, there's just so much pressure too. And we're still feeling it, even though we're like, you know, we can sit here and have an open conversation. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of silence and pressure. So yeah, just that knowing that the person you're talking to isn't going to be sitting there and judging you is a big deal.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important to when you as a therapist, you can just kind of sense it even if the client doesn't ask you straight up. Mm. But just to give them a little bit of peace of you, like be a human, right? Yes. And a person and not this blank canvas that mm. often, you know, therapists are taught to be that way in a therapy setting when it's all about the relationship. It's all about how you can connect with the person who's sitting in front of you and I agree with you when they see the person, the vulnerable person in you, the human in you who also struggled maybe in the past, then they feel safer to open up as well.
0: Yeah, it changes the, I think the inherent power dynamic a little bit too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: So you're not just feel like you're being observed as a client. So now with all of the work that you've been doing, yeah, how has this manifested for you in terms of the work you are doing now?
1: Well, right now I see clients in my private practice. And uh, besides from seeing my parent clients, I also love to create educational materials on online, on social media, on this topic, on perinatal mental health. And since I'm from Hungary, and we talked about how in Hungary, it's even less talked about than here in the US. That's what I also started doing, creating lots of educational content on this topic in Hungarian as well. You know, YouTube or on social media. I also, I'm about to start a Hungarian podcast that's similar to Mom and Mind, hopefully, in the future. So cool. I can say that. <laughs> that yes. I have the Hungarian Mom and Mind podcast, but I named it a new mom is born in Hungarian. That's what Aww. it's yeah. So that's what I'm working on. I'm also working on in English and in Hungarian to create something that would have helped me a lot when I was uh, pregnant with my first child, how to prepare not just like how to prepare for the postpartum period, but not Mm -hmm. the way they teach you in the birthing class, like how to change (laughs) the diaper, (laughs) but really like emotionally, socially, like your emotional health, your social health, right? Like who to surround you with and how to figure out who's helpful, who's not. Because sometimes people have the best intentions, and they really want to help you. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that you perceive it as help because that's not what you need and how to figure that out. Right. So the old social, emotional, and mental health perspective of postpartum planning, this is what I'm trying to create a course or in, in Hungarian and as well uh, in English.
0: It's amazing and so needed. It sounds like both from like within the language, it's as you probably know to some extent that like hearing it in your native language is different. Um, it hits different. Like it just hits different emotional stuff. And if you had, like you're saying, you're creating something you would have needed and wanted.
1: Yes. And I like you said that in your own native language, because when just bringing back the cultural piece to it, when I started creating content in Hungarian, mm-hmm. it felt awkward because the yeah. shame just lit a little bit like mm. I was thinking, oh my gosh, my friends are going to know, my you know, family is going to know because I knew I had to do it in the same way I do it in English, just in Hungarian. And I had to kind of break through those barriers and that feeling of shame around that because I knew I... Had to take the mask off, not just in English, but Mm. also in Hungarian and talk about it openly, not just the topic, but also my story as well.
0: Right. I imagine you're one of very few people talking about this, like in Hungarian. Maybe you're connected with some people who are, but I can't imagine there are that many people. So you're also the
1: first, or one of the first, at least to do it. Yeah. Yes. And fortunately I have some good friends in Hungary and they actually encouraged me. They started to tell me, why don't you make these videos in Hungarian as well? Mm. Because it's in English, but it's nobody talks about it. They always say nobody talks about it or not as openly as I do. Mm. Mm. And that really just motivated me to let's do it. I'm going to be famous in Hungary.
0: (laughs) That's That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's so needed. I mean, right. This is That's sort of what I love about this specialty is that you have your experience, which, you know, in some ways overlaps with other people's, the feelings, the symptoms and that sort of thing. But the immigrant experience is a whole other layer, but you, through your own healing, you're able to provide something for other people where a resource does not exist. Unless you have found something in Hungarian talking about perinatal mental health openly, then you might be the first. And that can change culture, that can change
1: people's lives. Well, I hope I can really just, you know, help any moms. But in Hungarian, obviously, lots of Hungarian parents. Sometimes I get messages in Hungarian, not just from moms that are currently moms, and they just say that, oh, Mm -hmm. thank you for talking about it, because I wish they had told me this or that. But... I get messages from grandmas in Hungarian saying that, oh, you know what? 40 years ago, wow. I did go through this and yeah. nobody talked about it. Wow. And that's when I get goosebumps. Because yes. It just shows that, you know, like healing is never too late just because you're... Yes. 70, 80 year old grandma now, but you Mm -hmm. had a traumatic childbirth or a horrible postpartum depression, anxiety experience, that doesn't mean that it's too late to process that and heal from it.
0: Absolutely. I'm so excited that you're doing this. And I'm excited for the people who are going to have this resource. Now, I think you went through most of the things that you wanted to talk about, about your story and where and where you are now, but I don't want to close us out without checking in about that?
1: No, I think I talked about everything. It's really about, to me, like when you were talking about like, you know, creating them in Hungarian or in English, the whole educational pieces that it's really about the meaning making, right? What's the goal in general? I think in therapy, any therapy, that how you kind of process your trauma and turning that into your purpose, just kind of, Mm -hmm make sense of it and just finding that meaning making that really just helps you find a purpose in life.
0: I don't know if there's anything else you would want to say in terms of closing or talking about your experience or any hopeful messages for moms or immigrant moms, because you said so many beautiful things already.
1: Well, the hopeful message, I think it's for all moms, immigrant or American born, US born, Hungarian, it doesn't matter. It's really just to The sooner you realize that asking for help doesn't mean that you're weak, but it means that you just want to remain strong, the sooner you're going to feel better.
0: Mm. Yes. Thank you for that. I want to also, as we close for now, I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you and you can be found everywhere through Golden Tears Therapy. And that's on your website and Instagram and YouTube. And where else
1: are you? I'm on TikTok as well. (laughs) That's Golden Tears Therapy too. On my website, there's this downloadable free English postpartum plan that anyone can download. So, And that way, or if they just follow me on any of the social media accounts, that way I can keep everybody posted on the upcoming little webinar that I'm putting together in English and in Hungarian about how to really prepare for the postpartum period, so it's emotionally and mentally, is not as difficult, hopefully. I have a Hungarian Instagram account where I post all these materials, and that is Ui Anya which in English actually means that a new mom is born. So Ui Anya in Hungarian on Instagram.
0: Oh, beautiful. When you're creating such a beautiful new resource for people to listen whether they live here or wherever they live and they speak hungarian they can listen and hopefully feel heard and seen in the way that you were eventually and and need to be so thank you so much for sharing your story here and for all of the work that you're doing now thank you so much Kit. Again, you can find Esther at goldentearstherapy.com on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at goldentearstherapy. Please do share this episode with anybody who you know that might be Hungarian or know somebody who could share this episode with anybody that they know living in Hungary who needs this kind of support or may be able to share it with somebody who does. Thank you for being with us. Until next time. Please find the mom and Mind podcast on mominmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health.